0: All right. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mining Matters, a mine safety podcast presented by Fisher Phillips. My name is Chris Peterson, and with me, as always, is my partner in Pittsburgh, Arthur Wolfson. How are you today, Arthur?
1: Doing well, Chris. Our year is uh, slowly coming to a conclusion. So, you know, uh, another year in the books, I guess.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, time has just flown by. I've heard as you get older time seems to go faster. Hopefully that's not the case because it's already going fast enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm getting there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I think today our listeners will find this podcast episode interesting. And this will be the first part of a two-part series on conferencing and settlement. So today we'll talk about the Msha conferencing process. So essentially how to conference and why, you know, what you're conferencing how to file a conference request, maybe discuss some pointers on what information you want to provide an MSHA conference to basically increase your chances of a successful outcome. And then in January, we'll have an episode talking about settlements. I don't know if most of our listeners are probably familiar with the concept of administrative law judges approving settlements that you've worked out with the agency that operators have, you know, either conferenced or contested and reached settlement on. And we have got some uh, new developing issues in, in, in that area. So, yeah. So this first part today,
1: Arthur, do you want to kick us off and kind of describe the conferencing process? Yeah. And I guess if you'll indulge me for a second, Chris, I got to say that, you know, I've been doing this for what over 15 years. I think you a little bit longer. And conferencing is one of those things. It's it's like it makes too much sense to actually be a reality sometimes, right? I mean, everybody, you know, mine operators, I've since I've been doing this, they want good, meaningful conferences, and people from MSHA that I talk to say, well, you know, you should conference it. Let's talk about it. And for whatever reason, the conferencing process has never really been, in my view, what it should be, which is a predictable, meaningful way to resolve citations early on before you get to litigation and you know i contrast that with with the osha process where you get you know an informal conference and you know what you're getting when you walk into an osha informal but you just don't get that with amsha and i'm i'm not entirely sure why but you know one of the reasons why might actually be the law that gives us the conferencing process and that's what i'm going to talk about for a quick second which is 30 CFR section 100.6, which basically says that the operators have the ability to request review, which we call conferencing, but review of citations after they are written. And you have 10 days after the citations issued to request this review or request a conference of the district manager or his or her designee. So you're submitting this through the district. But the key here is that the language in in section 100.6a, the second sentence, it is within the sole discretion of Emsha to grant a request for a conference and to determine the nature of the conference. So this is where I think, I mean, it's embedded in the regulation, why we don't have this same level of predictability that we get in OSHA is because it says right up front, that you can request it, but you may or may not even get in the door. And that's gonna vary district by district. It's at the sole discretion of whoever's sitting in the chair of the district manager, whether or not you even get in the door. So that's embedded in the law. So that's a source of frustration, but it's something our listeners should be aware of to the degree that they're not. The other key piece of that is I said 10 days. Now the regulation is silent on whether that's 10 calendar days 10 business days. I've always operated under the premise it's calendar days because, well, if it's not, then you're going to be out of time if you count it on business. But it doesn't say. So again, it's not not a model of clarity, this regulation. A couple other things that are in 100.6 that I think we want to call to our listeners' attention are in making the request, you can make the request as to what you want to be reviewed. Do you want it to be vacated, the citation be vacated? or you challenging the SNS, the gravity negligence, the abatement requirement of if it hasn't been abated yet? You know, all these things. So You can make the request as to what you want to to conference to talk about. But again, MSHA has the sole discretion as to the nature of the conference. They may not want to talk about it. So yeah, you're at the, the, the mercy of the conference officer. The other thing I would raise to everyone's attention is, is that not only the minor, mine operators, but the regulation says all parties shall be afforded these conference opportunity rights. Well, what does all parties mean? It means including the miners' representatives. So the miners' representatives, if you have representatives designated, have the rights to request a conference of their own, if they wish to discuss citations within 10 days. And if you, the mine operator, request a conference, um, the, my, the miners representatives should be made aware of it so they can participate. So that's sort of the legal framework. And and what that gives us, I think I've probably beaten this to death, but what that gives us is just a level of uncertainty, right? You have this, um, vehicle for potentially discussing citations, which may work, but it may not work if Emsha isn't willing to play ball or if um, for whatever reason, um, you know, uh, the the conference process breaks down otherwise. So with that being said, and, you know, um, hopefully that's not too much negativity but that's the world we live in with that being said chris what do you think are the best practices for if 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 a mine operator wishes to request a conference what are some starting points and some basics they should follow through with
0: yeah for sure i think you've made some very good points arthur and i think you framed the issue um very accurately right so if we if we're going down the road the conferencing road we've decided that's what we're going to do yeah so here's some some best practices that you can um that you can employ to hopefully get a conference and then once you have a conference make it meaningful so you know as arthur mentioned um you basically outline in an email or a document you know know, word attachment whatever it is its um, you send this document or email to the district manager requesting a conference. And I think the best practice is to make sure um, that you're including some information as to why you conference, right? I mean, I've seen operators simply send in a statement, we want a conference, citation numbers, and then you know, four or five citation numbers, right? No real information or indication as to what you want to discuss or why you're requesting a conference in the first place. So I think the first best practice would be to include some of that information. So just kind of take a step back and ask yourself, you know, why are you requesting the conference in the first place? Um, you know, whether that's negligence, for example, you're looking for a reduction in negligence or a reduction in gravity, you know, so a, maybe a, a modification from SNS to non-SNS, right? Um, and so, you know, saying what you're looking for and then why you're looking for it. So basically, Another best practice would be, you know, have some familiarity with the elements, right, um, <clears throat> including whether or not the citation or enforcement action is, is, is a violation in the first place. Um, and then, you know, certainly what is, what is negligence? Uh, what is gravity? You know, 90, probably what, 95% of the time when we're talking about uh, reduction in gravity, we're looking from you know SNS to non SNS, so reasonably likely down to an unlikely right, reduction. So when you're preparing for a conference, um, look to gather some information that's relevant. You know why do you why do you disagree with the inspector's designation? And really focus on um, you know facts and evidence. Um, you know what can we present information that perhaps the inspector did not consider at the time of the inspection or you know, perhaps it's something that you found out after the fact, right? Say, oh, well, we have this in place, or we did, in fact, have guarding, or, you know, we did have a workplace exam that had been conducted right before the inspection, you know, whatever it might be, right? You're, you're looking at those facts and evidence, and that's really what you're presenting. So I think another best practice would be avoid, you know, general statements of, we just don't think this is SNS, or we disagree. Like, okay, I mean, it's certainly you're right to say that and to make those statements. Um, But yeah, try to support your support your position, you know, with any sort of facts and evidence that you that you may have. Um, And then I think, frankly, at at the conference itself. Right. If you do get granted a conference, the CLR will typically reach out and schedule a time. to go over you know, what, what your position is. And so when you're discussing this, frankly, my, my experience with the conferencing process is it's, it's very conversational. Sometimes that may be a one-sided conversation, but um, this is not a process where you should be looking to present, You know, I guess we can call it legal arguments, right? You're not necessarily citing case law, you're kind of focusing on you know, real world facts and, and evidence, like I've mentioned. Um, you know, you're not necessarily saying, well, and, you know, in such and such a case, you know, the judge, whoever held such and such, right? Um, there may be instances where that can come up, right? They, well, judge, there have been cases out there that have held such and such, right? Um, or in talking to the CLR, But typically, it's much more conversational where you're sharing information. Um, and it's going back and forth, right? The CLR is asking you questions and feel free to ask the CLRs questions, right? You can ask them, well, why did the inspector say, you know, this is SNS or why did you did he or she think this is a violation, you know, something along those lines. It's, it's a give and take this process ideally, right? Like I said before, I mean, there have been conferences where, you know, the CLR will say, what's your position? The operator says, well, we think it's not SNS because A, B, and C. And then that's been it, right? No follow-up questions, saying, "Okay, well, thank you. We'll get in touch with the inspector, get some feedback, and then let you know the results of the conference." But you know, again, I mean, to give yourself the best chances for success, and like I said, you're you know, you're focusing on you know, sort of real-world issues, having a conversation with the CLR. Um, but you know, I suppose it's fair to say even through that process, that's not without uh, you know potential pitfalls. Um, so I think it pays to, you know, be aware of, you know, what you're communicating with Emsha and how you're communicating. So Arthur, do you want to kind of go over some potential pitfalls involved in that conferencing
1: process? Right. And, and, you know, this isn't to scare anybody, it's just to be mindful of some, um, traps for the unwary, I guess. Um, you know, Chris talked about, you know, you want to, you want to share information, you want to bring information to Emsha that is what you need to support the reductions you're seeking and and that's all very true but you know keep in mind that if you share information that cuts the other way that hurts you um which you wouldn't think you would do but you know it's it's if we're not careful about the information we're bringing to bear that actually can uh be the case then you are now providing msha with more um support for its own position and potentially even a change in the citation the other way um, because um, you know MSHA, uh is the part of the conferencing process you know at the end of it they're going to they're going to inform you whether or not they've made any changes to the citation or order and they can in fact increase the level of gravity and negligence in the citation as a result of the conference i have seen that happen not often but i have seen it happen um and even if they don't are you prov- if, if you are going to contest the citation down the road and i should have mentioned that earlier when i talked about the legal pieces that when msha gives you their determination of any changes they're going to make you will still have the opportunity to contest it when the assessment comes in of, of, of penalty um but have you provided msha with any ammunition so to speak for its own case um if there if the case proceeds to litigation that's something to be mindful of it's not something to be scared of you know i i often say in the litigation context when i give a training that documentation about the citation is discoverable such as in you know company notes and that type of thing that's not something you should be scared of because those notes can help you the information you provide Emsha can help you if it's good information but be keep in mind if it's bad information and you're required to maintain the bad information you can't throw it away uh that that there's a legal duty to maintain that information um, but if it's if it's not helpful, you don't want to just throw everything in the kitchen sink at Msha because if there's some bad stuff in there um Msha can use it against you. so that's one of the sort of sort of things to keep in mind um be careful about what information you're bringing to that conference because if it's potentially hurtful to your case or your position, um, Msha could use it against you um the other thing I would say uh, Two, two other points um so p- p- potential issues to keep in mind number one I mentioned that the miners reps have the right to participate in this and this goes back to your relationship with your miners reps if you're presenting a position or a case are you going to get crossways with your miners reps or are you going to be consistent with what they're saying um you know just keep that in mind when when you're preparing to present your case what are the miners reps going to say are they going to Say the same thing, or are they going to say something different? So you know, we want to know that going in because what we don't want is to go in and then have the miners reps come in and um, argue for something completely different. Um, and you know, I, I work with mines that that have designated miners reps and have very good relationships with those miners reps, the, the operator and the and, and the miners reps, and um, oftentimes are are um, at a conference or are, are saying the same thing to EMCHA. That's what you want. You don't want to get crossways. And the last thing I would say, just keep in mind that if you're going into conference a citation, none of these citations are issued in a vacuum, right? They are maybe there's a maybe it was part of a complaint, maybe it was part of an issue tied to a 105C case, a whistleblower case, maybe it was tied to some enhanced enforcement initiative, whatever it may be. If you're going into argue the fact of a violation of a housekeeping citation um uh, is that part of something larger and you want to know that or you want to think that through going in is this going to have an impact on some other matter um that that is before uh, amsha or that may involve amsha going in um you don't want to have blinders so so those would be my my sort of um um points to be mindful of, not certainly not a reason not to conference, but just to, just to be mindful of when you're going through the conferencing process, that um, anything said in a conference might even have an impact on something else not related to the citation. So, you know, with that said, I think, you know, Chris and I were going to talk a little bit about, you know, um, both how, how do you how do you choose what to conference, right? Because you can't conference everything, you can't request a conference for everything. You know, MSHA will then exercise its discretion and <laughs> reach nothing. Um, yeah. so you I think you want to pick the citations you want to conference. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about best practices for for doing that in, in maybe a little bit more detail. So Chris, what do you what are your thoughts on, on on how do you choose which which citations to conference?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question, right? And I get asked all the time and, you know, to Arthur's point, what he had mentioned earlier um, is, should we conference something in the first place, right? And it seems to me that the concern is, one, are we wasting our time if if we file a conference request, right? Even if you go through this process, you explain your position to MSHA and they just sort of rubber stamp. Uh, the inspector's findings uphold the citation no change, right? And then two is, um, if we share information with MSHA, are they going to use it against us if we later contest the citation or you know down the road with something else, right? Um, and to Arthur's point, right, it is what it is. <clears throat> I don't think either of those concerns or should necessarily discourage operators from using their conferencing, right? But to answer the question, you know, how do you decide what to conference? Um, I guess, you know, w- within that framework, I would focus on the citations or enforcement actions, whatever it might be, right? Um, that you feel like you can have a meaningful discussion with the agency. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, so it can be, uh, you know, 104A, low, ne- low negligence, non-SNS, Citation you know the penalty is going to be minimal at best, hundred and whatever thirty six dollars, right whatever the minimum is now. Um, but it's got some obviously some operational impact. maybe they're citing you know a roof control plan for an underground coal mine, maybe they're citing ground control issues for a surface mine some that you know going forward that citation would set a precedent creating issues operationally right for your operation. Um, so I think that's obviously an easy one. like, okay, well, yes, engage with the with the agency early and often, conference it, contest it, do whatever you need to do to make sure you're comfortable, make sure the agency understands what's going on, then make sure you're comfortable with um, you know running your operation going forward. And then obviously, depending on your operation, right? If you have a high SNS rate, you're gonna definitely wanna look at the SNS citations with a very critical eye. And can we conference these? Can we get some of these SNS designations lowered, right? Before they become final um, and impact our POV criteria, for example, right? Um, and so again, yeah, to, to, to Arthur's point, you can't necessarily conference everything. Um, you probably don't want to spend the time trying, right? So yeah, limit yourself to those citations um, or enforcement actions, right? That I think you can have meaningful conversations. Of. And again, you know, brings me to my final point. I just remembered. yeah, make sure you have some sort of facts and evidence to support your position. Because right. if you don't, um, you know, you're just going to undermine your own credibility with the agency and you're just going to be wasting your time. Because if MSHA cannot point to something an EMCHA inspector has missed on an inspection, or you know, maybe an inaccurate designation or maybe a misunderstanding of some kind, right? MSHA is not gonna agree to a reduction just because, right? Oh, you don't feel like that's SNS? Okay, we'll make it non-SNS for you. Will that make you happy. That never happens, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't expect that to happen, right? So if you, you know, you may wholeheartedly disagree with a citation or enforcement action, but again. Um, you know, if you don't have any sort of supporting facts and evidence in your corner, you're going to face a difficult uh, conferencing process. So probably don't spend your time pursuing that. Arthur, what did I miss? What do you think, um, you know, would help operators decide what to conference?
1: Well, I thought just to, I don't think you missed anything, Chris, but just if, if our listeners remember our last episode, our colleague Patrick Dalen, uh, a former solicitor, re- uh, made a two points that I think uh, are are relevant to what you just said. One is, I'm not wanting to conference everything. If you remember, Patrick made the comment that, you know, you you get a reputation, good or bad, right? So you want to maintain that level of credibility. When, when ABC mining company is requesting a conference, Emsh is going to say, oh, you know, these guys, they know their stuff. So they're only going to conference if, if they really have something to say. Whereas if XYZ mining company, ah, those guys, they just, they, they think everything should be non-SNS. They, they don't really know what they're talking about. You want to be the first one, right? You want to be the one who has the credibility. Um, and then the other thing um, that Patrick made uh, the point on in our last episode was getting those facts together early on. And here, you only have 10 days to make the request. So, if you're going to make the decision, do I even want to request it or not? You need to have an an understanding early about the facts, what, you know, this to support what we're going to potentially bring to a conference to even make the decision, is this worth our time to do it? So, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, we've said this many times, um, but getting those facts together early on, this is just another example of um, when that is so important. Because when that day eight, day nine hits and you're thinking, do I send that request in or not? Well, what have we done up to that point to help inform that decision? What facts have we gathered? Um, I'm gonna throw a couple of best practices out there, Chris, and I'll get your thoughts and then then see if you have any more um, for the actual conferencing process. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, um, you know, is preparation for the conference. And, you know, as an, I don't know if you've ever actually done a conference, Chris, I have not typically done, um, gone in and done a part 100 conference other than in a 110 C context, but that's a separate conversation. Yeah. I tend to think it should be more mining professional to mining professional, but that being said as an attorney. I am often involved in the preparation for it, so I, you know, in in working with the with the uh, safety managers and, and and other folks with the companies to prepare for the conference. I think preparation is key. Getting those facts lined up. What are you going to say? How are you going to say it? Who's going to be there to present it? The other thing I'm going to say, I'd be interested to get your take on this, Chris. I've heard, you know, conference officers, CLRs. Um, offering to do the conferences on the phone, or maybe on Teams. You know what, maybe I'm old school, but I think if you have the chance to do an in-person conference, if the district office is convenient to you, and I know some of them aren't with the redistricting, but that's a different topic, but if the district office is convenient to you, I think an in-person conference is the way to go. Go to the district, sit across the table from the conference officer, put your information in front of him or her and make them respond to you, not just sit behind a screen or on the phone. So those are my points. I'll throw it over to you, get your thoughts and and see if you have any other tips.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think those are great points, Arthur. And um, so I have done a couple of safety health conferences, several, in fact, probably that I have been the sole Uh, representative on the phone Uh on behalf of the operator, which is fine, right? I mean, I can certainly, you know, say, Hey, this is what they're looking for, and why, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but to your point, that is not necessarily the best way to go about it. So, yes, have a safety rep. I always encourage operators, frankly, um, that you know, to feel comfortable doing this on their own, right? I mean, I feel like that's what the conferencing process is, it's not as much, you know, a lawyer inserting him or herself into the process and trying to, you know, strong arm a solution, right, or a resolution rather, it's yes, let these two parties, you know, regulator and regulated get together and and figure out a solution. Mm -hmm. And if they can't, then that's what the contest process is for, ideally, in a perfect world. But um, yeah, so I agree. I think, you know, the more the operator can be involved, the better. And to your second point, Arthur, which is a great one, um, you know, maybe not driving to district if it's a relatively minor, okay, you're looking to get a low negligence out of something, right? But absolutely face to face meetings with the powers that be, the CLR. I've requested um, that an ADM be involved or even the district manager be involved in yes. the conference if it's a serious issue, right? um and yes and that so at that point you're looking at a face and of course this was you know pre-pandemic times right okay. but absolutely a face-to-face meeting is so much more effective on so many levels um you know in a perfect world that's what you would do you know recently I've done a couple of conferences um you know on teams and that's probably the next best thing mm-hmm. certainly better than a phone call right you right. do get some level of engagement is you know, is the CLR completely ignoring me or are they, you know, maintaining eye contact-ish, right? With the screen, <laughs> who knows yeah. where they're really looking, right? But um, yeah, so, you know, you're going to want some level of engagement there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the, the finally, and I think, you know, we've, we've mentioned this, but, you know, yeah, build up your credibility, you know, don't, don't be nitpicky for the sake of just disagreeing. Right. Being unhappy with the inspection and how it came out, but really focus on the facts and evidence, um, you know, so many times. And um, interestingly enough, you know, after our last podcast and having the, um, you know, former solicitors on on and kind of discussing their approaches, I've really picked up on, you know, sort of a general sense of what is MCH's opinion of an operation overall and how does that influence its interaction with the operator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are they a good operator, do they try hard? Are they good on training? You know, what is their enforcement history? Or are they an operator that con- consistently cuts corners and then gets caught and their enforcement history shows that? And so I think your conferencing process will be a reflection kind of, of where you're at with the agency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, you know, in terms of you know understanding where you're at and, and kind of developing a relationship with them, should really focus on you know making this a meaningful process. You know? So I can't think of too much else there, Arthur. I think um, you know we've talked a little bit about you know why you have a conference and what evidence that you want to bring, and at the end of a conference, how does how does MSHA resolve a, an actual conference, Arthur?
1: Yeah, so you know, you, you you get a communication back from the from the CLR, um, and Emsha will say whether or not they've ma- they're going to make any changes to the citation that you discussed, um, and then if they don't make any changes, um, you know that has or, or even if they do make changes, their determination has no bearing on your right to contest. Um, and I have seen instances in the past where the penalty assessment comes in before the determination from the conference comes in. So that doesn't, you know, the fact that you you may have had a conference or you you're hoping to get a conference, if that penalty assessment comes in, that has nothing to do with those time deadlines. You still have to check those boxes if you're going to contest it. But you know, if let's say EmSHA makes one of the changes you request, but not all of them, maybe they change the gravity, but not the negligence. Now the citation has a new gravity and it will be assessed at the lower penalty, but you still have the right to go forward with a contest. And that was probably going to get into what we're going to talk about in our next episode, which is, let's say now you've contested it, you're formally in litigation, but you still have the ability to settle. In fact, there's a one of the administrative law judges now notes in his pre-hearing order that the vast majority of these cases settle, which is true. And so, next time, I think we are going to tackle the settlement process after a litigation is commenced, after uh, the contest is filed, and 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 if you're able to achieve a settlement, um, what does that look like, and what um, what hoops do you have to go through there? So. With that, Chris, i I think this is our last uh, episode uh, before the holidays, so I do want to yeah. wish our listeners a happy holidays and safe. everybody be safe out there and your and uh, especially as the weather's turning. um we definitely wish our listeners the best. and uh, we'll look forward to bringing you some more information in the new year.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, happy holidays, everybody, and stay safe.
1: All right. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot.
0: This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation.